As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. One, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Berman said, let me be the first to wish you and then whatever the happy holiday is on the fastest two minutes. I saw it was fastest three minutes this past Monday, but let me be the first to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Jack, Peter, Aram, last time before the holiday on the Just Baseball Show, we've got rule changes that Peter is going to walk us through off the top and then an extra present for you. we got the Pittsburgh Pirates GM episode. It's going to be the San Diego Padres, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Philadelphia Phillies. One of those is not like the other hell that might be because the Phillies are good the Padres are trying to downgrade like it's it's just bizarre and it's breaking my brain but let's break our brains together Peter who are we brought to you by obviously bet MGM come on people sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code just baseball download the bet MGM sports app on iOS or Android or visit betmgm.com place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if it loses and if that bet does lose your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled gambling problem call or text 1-800-GAMBLER must be 21 or older and terms and conditions apply the MLB competition committee has approved changes for 2024 and per Jeff Passan, the MLBPA I'll get the exact quote for you the players on the competition committee voted no on the rule changes implemented today because MLB has a majority of seats on the committee. The league's preferences with rule changes will go through. So it was nice that they had the players vote. Turns out it didn't matter what they voted. These rule changes were going through. 
it's so uh, that's that's going to be something that needs to be discussed probably in the next <laughs> CBA too, right? Right? It's I'm starting to just take mental notes here. Like, okay, what's gonna what's gonna be another pain point in the next CBA? What's gonna be another one? I think the seats in this c- committee. It, I just find it fascinating that you know I, I don't know who comprises the entire committee, and I'm sure some are, are former players, but it, you're gonna have a lot of seats that are not active players that can legitimately overrule how these guys are going to be playing. And even if all of them vote, no, there's no, like there's no process to that. Like you should need to have a certain percentage more than just whatever it is, because if all of the players vote, no, that should probably have a little bit more, you know, of, of an impact on the decision. And, you know, I think it was great to implement these new rules. I think it's extremely silly and I'm interested when you kind of walk us through it, but I think it's extremely silly to, keep pushing these rules further along after just one year of of rolling with them. So the rule changes are, number one, an 18-second pitch clock with runners on. They're shortening it by two seconds. seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, you only get four mound visits now instead of five. I thought it was six. Why? It, when did it go down to five? Was that the previous vote like bizarre yeah in the next cba there's going to be no such thing as mount visits anymore number three the runner's lane to first is widened to the infield grass everyone start jumping up and down that's a great one okay number four if a pitcher starts to warm before the inning he must face a header jack you have your hand raised for good reason yeah, I got a question. So if a pitcher warms up before an inning, does that mean in the bullpen or does that mean on the mound? Because I have seen arms come in, throw a couple warm-up pitches on the mound, get injured, and then they walk off. I assume those injured players are the only exception to this rule. I don't understand why a pitcher would enter, throw warm-up pitches on a mound, and then not face a hitter. Are they talking, hey, if a guy gets up in the bullpen, then he needs to throw to a hitter? No, no. I, I'm so, looking at I'm looking at yeah, it steps onto the warning track okay. with less than two minutes remaining on the inning break clock. Like when did when is this? No, that, happen? That, 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 Jack, just relax, dude. That that was a big problem in baseball. Huge. Was it? I was way too many guys. Way too many guys were walking on the, the warning track. With less than two minutes remaining, and then turned around and didn't end up pitching. I, I'm glad we're focusing on on these on these issues. Okay, so here's here's the next layer to that. All right, you step foot on the warning track. You got to face a hitter. Wouldn't that be the start of a clean inning? What happens now with the previous CBA? You got to face three hitters. So it's you have to throw against three hitters if you come into the game. Like this is it doesn't make any sense to me, but also like stepping onto the warning track and not coming into the game doesn't make sense to me either. What if you need to go to the bathroom? You need to use the tunnel in the bullpen, surely. But what if you want to use the dugout bathroom because you got to go number two? There are a lot of layers to this that I just don't think Major League Baseball really considered. I don't think they factored in uh, the bullpen guys going number two. I think that's you know what's missing in this new CBA. I just think it'd be cool if they ended the blackouts, right? If I could just watch my local team on TV no, instead of worrying that. about the rules. But YouTube TV's format. Yeah. Instead, we're worrying about just dumb shit. I mean, so, I, I never, I never had a problem with bigger bases. I never had a problem really with the pitch clock. If anyone, if, if anyone did out, have a problem with bigger bases, I want them to get in touch with me. I do like the bigger bases. They're just kind of fun to make fun of. Uh, 
I didn't have a problem with the pitch clock. I thought if it shortens games and, you know, there's all these fans out there who are saying they're making the games too short. When you go to a game, you pay for more time. I can understand that, right? Tickets are expensive. Parking is expensive. I can understand why you'd say that. For me personally, that didn't matter to me. I thought it was just cutting down on the fixing the batting gloves, on the grabbing the it's nuts, like, it's on like all the downtime. It's like complaining about not seeing as many huddles at a football game. Like, oh, they're running no huddle too much. I came here to watch them huddle and take their time. Like, who cares? On the contrary, I'd say it's a it's a running football game. Like, it's two premier running backs. We need more incomplete yeah. passes. We need more clock stoppage. Yeah. No, but I, I, I know it's funny to make fun of, but I, I can totally understand the fans who – Let's say they go to one or two games a year. They bring their kids. They want to spend as much time at the ballpark. They like the three-hour games. I'm not saying I agree with them. I am just saying I understand where they are coming from. I just personally disagree, but I can understand that point. Now, now we're making it even shorter. So yeah. like now it's – like what are the – these two seconds make so little of a difference in the grand scheme of like a game and the overall game times, I think – compared to even now further exacerbating some of the concerns that we may have, which is, you know, I, I know I, I personally didn't think it would be as much of an injury issue, but you got guys like Max Scherzer saying that doctors feel very confident that it could be. So obviously I'll defer to, to those guys on that, whether it is or isn't, we needed more time to find that out. We need more data in, in, in at least multiple years of data to find that out. And now we're pushing even further. And again, I'm very pro pitch clock. Like I liked it where it was at. But you also have to, even if you love the rule, be able to sit back and say, okay, let's assess every aspect of of how this impacted the game. We knew it cut the games down. Viewership was great. It seemed like people were more engaged. All those things were great. I think it was good to see the pace of the game. But we didn't assess the player side of it yet. You can't. It's just too early. And then to keep pushing it further along here now to to 18 seconds, to me, just shows you it's a microcosm of what Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, and and a lot of the people that are calling the shots at the top, really how they view this game, which is it's all about, and I get it's their job, but it's all about the money. It's all about bringing in as much revenue as possible, and it doesn't really matter how it impacts the players because they're going to get paid anyways, and who cares? And we're all going to get paid, and that's the effort. And I just think this is another example of such. And and Rob Manfred is, I think, the the most classic example of money over everything. That's his job. That's how he keeps his job and making owners happy, and this is what they wanted. And at the player's expense, there's a reason why all of them said no. I just don't understand this is what MLB wanted. Like, how are these rules impacting revenue for them? They're so minuscule and unneeded. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a revenue thing. I I, I think that it is a chance to show that the owners are thinking about the game in a cutting edge way compared to how they were viewing it for the last 40 years. Cutting edge. This ain't cutting edge. I know, but the pitch clock was cutting edge last year. So now it's, Oh, we found something that's cutting edge. Let's remind people of the good we just did by shortening it a little bit more. You know what that takes away? And I think this could be an argument from the Scherzer camp and the, and the rest of the pitchers camp it takes away that one more breath that a pitcher can take. And a lot of pitchers were talking about the immediate recovery that no pitch clock allows pitchers. Like they can get their heart rate back to pre-pitch levels on a pitch-by-pitch basis. Now, it's cardio. Like pitching is cardio. And guys that are not cardiovascular, cardiovascularly fit um, 
are kind of feeling the repercussions of it. I have no idea if that impacted some guys down years. I'm not going to even guess that it did. But what I will say is going from 20 to 18 cuts out that one more in through the nose, out through the mouth. It takes some guys to get ready. And quite frankly, guys that were dripping the clock down to one and zero before they started their windup, game still felt quick as shit. I'm not worried about it at all. So you're telling me these rules are kind of anti-obesity. And as a guy who's nearing obesity, I'm kind of offended by it. Are you? A A little bit. I think you look hot, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, that's kind of the one that jumps out to me. And and my one point against like, oh, you know, fans may be anti-pace of play help because the games are too short now. The hottest ticket in sports is the National Basketball Association. How quickly do those games go by? People drop hundreds of dollars and spend $15 per beer to watch an hour, 45-minute game. This is two and a half hours. It's not an hour. It's not an hour, 45. It's two and a half. Three was too long. Everybody didn't like it. Do we need to find 245? I don't think we need to find 245. Well, maybe the NBA is is too fast, right? Maybe the NBA is too fast. Half the players are resting. Your favorite player is resting anyway. Maybe that's too fast. We got to find a happy medium. I, well, first of all, Heat fans watch <laughs> 30 minutes of basketball because they get there at halftime. So, like, yeah. and, and, and honestly, with basketball, you go to the bathroom at halftime, you wait in the line, you get back down. It's like seven minutes left in the third quarter. You you missed a decent chunk of the game. I, I think with baseball, the, the, the interesting thing here is, I again, I love the, the the changes. I think it exponentially made games more enjoyable in terms of just like the monotony of a of a, of a July meaningless game that I still love to watch because I love baseball. It was more fun to just see a little bit of pace to it, right? We talked about all of the ridiculous things that you put side by side and see how many more pitches you can get going versus what it used to be in some of the slower games and operations. Like it was sometimes brutal. And I get that. They they negated, you know, I think what was one of the biggest criticisms of baseball. But I don't think anybody was saying, oh, we, we need more of this. We need to keep, we, it needs to be even faster. And I just, I don't understand where that's coming from. Like I don't really understand why they want to make it even faster. We eliminated the the dreadful, like super slow aspects of the game that could really creep in and make games tough to watch. That's gone. Why do we need it to go from fast now to really fast? Who does that? Who is that for? What does that do? I, I, I don't. That's no one's going to watch the games now that wasn't watching it with the new rules because it's ten minutes shorter. Now, people I do think we're watching because finally people are not adjusting their batting gloves after every pitch and felt a little bit more intrigued by the game. I had a lot of anecdotal, you know, I had conversations with people that were casual baseball fans were not even that really enjoyed the new pace. I just don't know what these two seconds are for from a fan or outsider perspective, but I do know that those two seconds have more of an impact on the players than it does on anybody else. And that's the irony in this whole thing is it affects the people who pretty much completely voted no. Yet, it is a yes don't matter. in the eyes of Major League Baseball. Yeah, they're going overboard a little bit. I feel like in 10 years, we're going to get, they're going to want the game to go so fast. Two strikes is a strikeout. Three balls is a walk. 10 pitch or 10 second pitch clock timer. This game's going to be over in 45 well, minutes. In in my softball league in New York, if you foul off two, two balls, the third foul ball is a strikeout. I like that. And they're the going to start play. hating. 
they're going to hate Luis Arias. They stop spoiling pitches, bro. Just put it in play. And like, it's just like, it's again, now we're getting away from the game. Obviously that's never going to happen, but you just wonder where they draw the line, right? Like where does this stop? What, how slippery is this slope going to be? And that was the one argument that people made. And I thought it was a little bit ridiculous. Like, Oh, it's a slippery slope. Wait till you see where we go. I'm like, no, nah, they'll just do this. And this was extreme and that's it. The slippery slopers are probably saying, hey, I told you so, because it was a slippery slope. And all of a sudden, we're really kind of riding down that thing now. I hope they just stop the slope here. Yeah. That foul ball rule kind of makes me think of bench warmers. One of the greatest baseball movies of all time. One of the great quotes from that one. I tipped it. I tipped it. You're still out. Well, you're still fat. God, that makes me laugh every time. That's a really good one. I think next step is probably MLB at sea with the banana ball cast. I saw they were playing a game at Lone Depot, and then they're going on like a cruise where they're performing. I don't know if they play baseball on the boat. Um, If anyone that is an avid bananas follower knows that, like if they're playing baseball on the boat or not, please hit me via DM because I'm very curious. I like, I, I think that, that home run derby in the Bahamas where they just hit the ball into the ocean is hilarious. Cause I'm like, do you scoop, do you scuba? Like, do you go get those balls? How does this work? They you float. Scuba? <laughs> do baseballs float? They float. They float. Okay. You would know coastal elite. McCovey Cove. They're floating. They float. Oh yeah, they do float. You're right. My bad. So you got general, boats out there. They're just going to go around. GM time. Yeah, we're talking about floating baseballs. Time to play general manager. Yeah, baseballs float. Um, the San Diego Padres were financially sinking at the end. There we Bang. go. How about that transition? Mm, bridge loan team. The San Diego Padres and A.J. Preller are in a decision-making point. They are at an inflection point in their franchise, I'd say. Uh, as of right now, their estimated tax payroll, accounting for arbitration and pre-arbitration estimates, is at $199.9 million. Shout out them, just like gas prices, under the firm dollar. The competitive balance tax is at 237 They clearly want to stay below that based on what we've read in regards to the San Diego Padres. I wonder if $200 billion is the point that they want to stay below. The move so far, they traded Juan Soto and Trent Grisham to Peter's New York Yankees for Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Higashioka. They reportedly agreed to terms with Yuki Matsui, who was one of the best closers in Japan, for four years and $21 million. They also got cheaper in the setup role, trading Scott Barlow to Cleveland, who's estimated to be worth about $7.2 million in arbitration this year, for Angel de los Santos, who's worth about $1 million in his first year of arbitration. They also got the Matt Carpenter money off the books for the most part, along with Ray Kerr to Atlanta, and they hired Mike Schiltz as their manager. But they lost Blake Snell, Josh Hader, Rich Hill, Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, Nick Martinez, Garrett Cooper, Drew Pomerantz, Gary Sanchez, G-Man Choi, Tim Hill, and Austin Ola. That's a lot of guys that just disappeared. That's a team they just lost. That's a team that they just lost. So we'll go through position by position. But RM Layden, overall state of the San Diego Padres right now in one to five words. How would you put it? Fascinating. I actually find it fascinating. Um, and and I'll get into it because he only gave me one to five words. So I don't do you want me to get into it now or or save it? So your one word was fascinating. Elaborate on fascinating. Okay. So I want to see AJ Preller work with some restraint. 
Like, I want to see what it looks like when AJ Preller's hands are tied a little bit, when he has to be economical, when when every move matters a little bit. And, and Preller's a smart mind. He's one of the best scouts that we've seen in a long time. I mean, look at the way that they draft every single year. But it's always been swing for the fences, throw money at guys. I got a lot. I got endless money behind me, which is great testament to the ownership that you know was was so good. And, and we need more owners like the Padres have had. But you know, I I do feel like that there was almost this recklessness that came with that to a degree. And now he's got to work with between the margins. He's got to be really efficient. He's got to be very very particular with where he spends his money, where he wants to allocate that. I love Yuki Matsui. We'll get into that in a second. But I thought it was crazy that they gave him a four year deal. Probably yeah. more years, less AAV. That's what they're looking at. I'm just fascinated to see what AJ Preller does and how he operates with some constraints. And I have kind of liked some of the the savviness that we've seen. We haven't seen these smaller moves from from Preller, and that's what it's going to take for them to be competitive. Yeah, and this I I don't know this tightening of assets is by no means attributed to Peter Seidler, the late Peter Seidler now who loved his San Diego Padres and was willing to, you know, extend beyond maybe their financial reaches in order to win baseball games in San Diego. He was one of the great owners in professional sports. You're going to miss him dearly. But you also have to factor in that, hey, their RSN deal fell out. Like Bally, the first team that Bally dropped was the San Diego Padres. Major League Baseball took over their local telecast. They had big money committed. Man, we looked at that Xander Bogarts deal last year and it was like, I'm sorry. How much did that guy just get? There were so many big money things that are not necessarily working in their favor where it's entirely understandable that they got to peel it back a bit financially because there are very few markets that can handle that type of financial commitment to like five players and losing TV rights. Like It's just bizarre what they're going through. Peter, one to five words. Where are the San Diego Padres? Can I use an analogy instead of one to five words? Yeah, sure. It'll be Go short. Ahead. So th- the San Diego Padres kind of remind me of when you go to a bar and you see a pretty girl ordering a drink. Uh-huh. And uh, then you go Isn't up Isn't your girlfriend sitting right next to you? No comment. Um, she's like a pretty girl. You go up to a bar and then you talk to her and she's extremely shallow. She's got no personality at all. But that's not that's your girlfriend. That's what the Padres... That's not my girlfriend at all. My girlfriend's yeah. perfect. But that's what the San Diego Padres remind me of. They're very pretty. Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Joe Musgrove. They have plenty of pizzazz. But then you look deeper into their roster, and you're looking at Cal Mitchell and Jose Azokar in the outfield. It's a lot of bling without really any substance to it. So that's how I would describe the current that was- San Diego Padres. It went way, that went way better than I thought it was going to go. I was kind of nervous when you when you started talking about like, oh, you, you see a girl, I'm like, oh god, where's it going to go? <laughs> it was like that actually was a good analogy. I kind of with them on that. The, the, the front, it's like almost like when you have a building and the front looks great, and then you open the door and then there's nothing behind it. It's just it's just a blown out wall where they took down the whole the whole building but left the wall up. Like that's where it feels like sometimes. But that said, there looks. Could be enough to get them over the top. Like the stars are really good if they all play the way that they're able to play. And as hot. you know, in this world, looks could take you pretty far. Like people, people have written looks pretty far. But I do agree. Like there, there is, there needs to be more beneath the surface, and that's why I'm so fascinated by what he's going to do. 
because it's like you don't need to go get a superstar, but how are you going to piece this shit together? Like, who are you going to find that can give you replacement level production? If they can get replacement level production from five to nine, and the guys one through four hit the way they're capable of, they're in good shape. And to that point, Arm, it's not hard to get some of these guys, right? They need outfielders. There are plenty of free agent outfielders that are going to be relatively cheap that we can sign to this team and be thinking to ourselves immediately, this is a better option than what they currently have. It's not really that hard to get out of their hole because to your point, the looks of this team, Fernando Tachi Jr. is one of the best players in Major League Baseball. So is Manny Machado. Bogarts was dealing with a wrist injury last year, and it was his first year under a big contract in a new team across the country. I assume that he is going to bounce back as well. Joe Musgrove was injured for a lot of the year. Like, they do have some core incredible pieces. We just got to fill in the other aspects. We got to... We got to teach this girl some manners. Yeah, I, I do think that, that analogy is very, very, very similar to what we were saying at the beginning of the 2023 season. And hell, maybe at, you know, like last offseason when we were talking about this team immediately after the Bogarts thing. This was on paper coming into 2023, far and away the most top-heavy team in Major League Baseball, maybe the most top-heavy team of recent memory, like since 2000, the most top-heavy team. Now it's still top-heavy, and you took Juan Soto off the team, and you added depth in return for Juan Soto. So it, it's it's less top-heavy now, but they don't have the depth because we mentioned the entire team just left in free agency or via trade. Um, I love the return they got in that Soto deal. It's really hard to say bye to Juan Soto, but at that price point for one year, for them to go get their three and for them to go get maybe their four and five at points this year too for Juan Soto is great. But let's go position by position here. Catching tandem, you don't need to touch. Luis Camposano and Kyle Higashioka. I feel good about that tandem, man. Finally. You too. Finally. Unleashed Campy. Are you excited, Arm? I am. I've been begging for this for years now. Years. years. Jake Cronenworth is at first base. You're <laughs> not getting out from that contract. No. Can't do anything. No it just stinks that he's the first baseman. Like if he was this utility player, he's valuable. Yeah. But as the yeah. as the big swinging first baseman, yeah. Blech, blech. Second base, Hassan Kim. Tyler Wade and Eggie Rosario are his backups. Hassan Kim is one of the more underrated players in baseball, so you're you're yeah. cool with it. Manny Machado at third, cool with it. Matthew Batten is his backup. You don't love that. Graham Polly's not far away. Arm, can Polly play third, or is he a left fielder? He can play a decent third. Uh, okay. I, I think he's a fine backup that could fill in. Cool. And then Bogart, Sid Short, you assume Kim can fill in. Eggie can fill in as well. And Hellman, Jackson Maryland, far away either. No. I'm, I'm going to get into that because, like, I think left field, I think they might not do anything. Interesting. I, I, that's that's what I think. I think they may not do anything. Jackson Merrill started to see reps in left field at the end of the year. That's mm. going to be just in the short term, right? Because you're going to probably lose Hassan Kim. Merrill will probably fill in at second base in 2025. Yeah. He was getting reps in left. He's a great athlete, elite bat-to-ball guy, sneaky power, great makeup. They love him. If he shows well in AAA, maybe they bump him up. Maybe he can make the team out right out of camp, especially with the prospect promotion incentive and how well the Padres draft. If if he does well, I mean, they love that additional draft pick. They could really use that right now. I think you have Paulie, who showed out really well last year, solid looking in the fall league, can also play left. Between him and Paulie, and then 
I think they have a few other prospects that you could potentially kind of have this open competition for out there. I, I think they may just do nothing there and save the money. Jacob Marcy was awesome. He was the MVP of the Arizona Fall League. Unbelievable year. Can play all three outfield spots. Another guy that could be a, a candidate. You get three legitimate candidates that could kind of earn the spot and left. I think they might just leave that open. Yeah. What about center? So the outfield right now is Tatis and right. I have no issue with Fernando Tatis Jr. in right field. Let's make that clear. It's like arguably the best right fielder in baseball outside of Acuna. Yeah. I mean, he's he just won- had an amazing year. The defense on this guy, he's such a freakazoid out there. Dude, he was a platinum glover this year. He won the platinum glove. He was the best amazing. defender in the National League. And you know sometimes when they give the, give the platinum glove away and you're like, he didn't deserve it. Tatis deserved it. The defensive run saved the outs above average. He was in the 99th percentile, basically everything, the arm transition over there. Just one of the great athletes that we have in Major League Baseball. Amazing. So you got Tatis in right, Jose Azokar in center, and Cal Mitchell in left with Tirso Ornelas as the fourth outfielder on fan graphs. Don't panic with fan graphs because Arm just laid it out for you. You've got Merrill as a possibility, Marcy as a possibility, Marcy is a possibility, <laughs> Pauly is a possibility. There are options galore here. Arm, what do you think the best version of the Padres, if they make no moves, opening day outfield looks like? I would like they're not gonna if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like Tatis is gonna be a platinum glover and right. I would have loved to have seen the the center field experiment. Can't do it now. Um, so I think it's Tatis and right. Azokar is is I think actually not the worst. I want to see a little bit of of an opportunity to see Azokar there, but Azokar backed up by Marcy, because I like Marcy in center field. I think he's a good defender there. And then left field, you're either having one of Marcy or Azokar or Merrill. And I think that's probably the, the best way to, to go about it. And I mean, that's not the sexiest, but it's a good defensive outfield. I do think Merrill's going to settle in and be good out there. Really fast outfield. And, you know, you, you think those guys can at least hit their way to the back of the, uh, at the end of the order. I think Marcy can, I think Merrill can, it's not the worst outfield. I have a player who I think they should add that solves a couple of things. And I'm going to start it with a question. Who's the Padres DH? Tierso or Nelas? Ugh, no, it's not. The San Diego Padres were 13th in home runs last year. You look at their team, and they got to replace the 35 home runs left by Juan Soto. Yeah. I think what they should do is they should add Jock Peterson. I think he could be a DH. I think he could also serve in left field until maybe a Jackson Merrill is ready. I think that's the guy that they have to add. I think you need kind of a power bat in this lineup. Because when I look at the lineup, like, yes, Machado and Tatis are going to hit their home runs. But outside of them, there's not a ton of power. I think Jock Peterson makes the most sense for this team. So let me ask you two questions. How much money does Jock Peterson get on an AAV basis? Do you think it's going to be a lot? I mean, I it might be more than what I'm thinking. Like, close your eyes and spit out the first contract that comes to mind. Two years, $34 million. Okay, 17 a year. Yeah. Can the Padres afford that? Can they not? I don't think they can if we're talking about all this cutting. They're at 200 mil still. Yeah. I mean, they'd still be under the luxury tax adding him. Yeah. The, it's just, he's report? such a perfect fit. And maybe it isn't that much. Maybe it is less. Might not be. 
wasn't the report that they wanted to stay below 200? I don't have it yeah, in front of me. Dennis Lynn, Padres prefer to stay under a luxury tax in 2024, could reduce payroll below 200 million. I think for for round numbers and you know just to give a little buffer, let's say we we have them around 210. Okay. What, what was the number that they're at right now? 199 when you have arbitration estimates put in. We are handcuffed. Yes. We are handcuffed. I don't see a way for the Padres not to get worse if they want to hit this they can trade. marker. They can trade. I've got some trade options here. Mm. Aram, do you have any trade options? I have some. Some okay. Do they revolve around Hassan Kim? I think if you really want to be competitive, it, it's really hard to, to justify trading Hassan Kim. I, I really think it's it's hard to justify moving him at, at this point. Yeah. I, I guess like I all trade just... option. Okay. How expensive is Max Kepler going to be to trade for? Not. You can trade for him. He's a good player, yeah. right? Outfielder, some power, right? You can move him around. I that's the left. one of the guys I was looking at. Honestly, I think Kepler makes a lot of sense, and he's making around ten mil this year. Twins are looking to cut some salary, but you could kick a slightly better prospect and have them kick in a little bit of money too, and and you kind of help each other there. And it's at least an established option that you feel pretty good about. And if you don't want to pay the whole salary and he's not performing and Jackson Merrill is performing really well, you could probably dump him. You know, at some point towards the end of the season, especially if you're not performing that well as a team. The other one that I'm kind of looking at is who's a player with some control, who's cheap that they could trade for, that you know maybe they can offer something that a team could be interested in. I, I gotta float my Marlins in here because I think everybody is available. I think it's extremely underrated how available everybody is. I don't think that they swing for the fences on some major major deal. Jesus Sanchez, I could see them moving him. He's extremely cheap. He's going to be able to get them a decent return in terms of prospects. And Bendix wants to really replenish this farm system. And I mean, Bendix was there when they traded him away from the race. There's a reason why they moved him. There was a lot of red flags in the profile, and it's been a slow progress for Jesus Sanchez, who finally kind of put it together a little bit this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Bendix wants to move him again. He sent him from the Rays, probably sent him out of town again if he doesn't really believe in him as a player. And there were some uh, makeup concerns and and some things that frustrated the Marlins, I know, during the season. I think that he could be a guy that gets moved and the Marlins can finally get, you know, some intriguing prospects back. The, or the, the Padres have so many arms that they could potentially trade, especially now after that trade with, with Soto. They could trade an Adam Mazur, who I actually really like. They have a bunch of double-A arms. who are, They could flip one of those Yankee arms in a deal to the Marlins. The Marlins need some pitching depth throughout their system. And I, I could see them matching up on a deal there going into next year. The Marlins ain't trying to get back to the playoffs. I, I just genuinely don't believe that. I think they're trying to replenish this farm. I feel like they would love a Johnny Brito type. Like that would be exactly what, not exactly what they're looking for, because obviously they're looking for a middle rotation arm. But like having him as a five slash six slash a guy that can hang out in Jacksonville for a little bit, kind of seems like best case scenario for them. And I, I think, yeah, Brito and another for a Jesus Sanchez could be great. Um, I will throw you my my Kim thought because. If the Padres are truly looking to cut the seven on Kim and then the seven million dollar mutual option on Kim in 25, might I point you to Boston, where Boston clearly needs some help when it comes to the infield, particularly the middle infield? Hasung hmm. Kim for a package centered around one of Sedan Rafaela 
or Jaron Durant. I think there is a world where he may cost both and San Diego puts in another player to follow like, hey, you need another fourth outfield type. If they were to go with, okay, you give us, you know, Kim or Nalas and another lower level prospect for Rafaela and Duran, I don't know if the Red Sox say yes to it, but I think that solves some of the outfield issue and you get way cheaper immediately because both those guys have several pre-arb years left. I like the thought, but is the way of cutting payroll trading Kim. I feel like he's the best, cheapest option on the team. I like the thought, though. It makes total sense. I know Red Sox fans are probably throwing up in their mouth a little bit over the fact that they might have to trade. But you go and get a four-and-a-half-win player. There you are with the thumbs up again. I don't know. New Apple update. Uh, But you go and get a a four-and-a-half-win player that can play shortstop. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it makes sense. I just... I like Arm's thought on Jesus Sanchez. I, I just I cannot see the Padres trading Kim right now. I mean, he was arguably their most valuable player outside of Tatis last year, and he's the cheapest "quote unquote" star that they have. Like if they're trading Kim as well, I mean we're not signing anybody. I feel like this is now they're waving the white flag here. Yeah, it, it's kind of one step forward. And it's kind of a lateral move, I would say, actually, not even a step forward. So I, I do like the idea of training Kim if you're going to kind of say, hey, we're rebuilding. And I just don't think that they're going to do that. How can they I rebuild like that with long-term Bogarts, Bogarts, Machado? Like, how can they rebuild with all these they guys in the 10-year contracts? They can't. They can't. I think they got to. I think they got to trade from the prospects, and they always do that. They have no problem doing that, and they just sign another IFA stud who's probably going to be one of their one of their key dudes. They could sell high on one of Marcy or Pauly. We've seen a bunch of guys that were in the AFL get get moved because a lot of teams feel confident about you know the looks that they were able to get at these players. And again, Marcy showed very well. I could see them being more in favor of maybe packaging those guys to get a to get a vet or or get somebody that's relatively affordable rather than you know trading one of the more consistent guys you got because if they do suck this year you're not going to get the same return but you can still trade Kim at the deadline and then just get a prospect return then I think we should either trade for Kepler or Jesus Sanchez and find the best trade in doing so and I'm I guess the reason to trade for Kepler is it's not as much of a commitment right arm you're talking about all these guys that could potentially be their next left fielder Kepler could just provide an offensive thump because he is a free agent after the year Jesus Sanchez if you trade for him might be a little bit more expensive but he does come with some control he's very very cheap but I do feel as if and maybe correct me if I'm wrong that if you're trading for Jesus Sanchez you're kind of thinking that he is going to be the left fielder at least for the next couple of years and then what do you do with your other guys who you might want to bring up instead that's why I feel like Kepler's yeah. that kind of perfect middle, but I'm willing to talk about both of them because I think both have their pros and cons. Kim hits free agency, so Merrill goes to second. Yeah, there you uh, go. And then Mark. Oh, no, C- but you got to where are you going to put Cronenworth? Maybe he goes to second. <laughs> Cronenworth plays first. I know. And then Marcy would presumably play center field. And then, you know, you, you see where, you know, Graham Pauly lines up, and you're not really basing any decisions on, on Graham Pauly. I I think it just depends on how much they want to give up, you know, prospect return wise. I think from a financial perspective and just the trend of AJ Pro are not giving a shit about trading prospects. I I could see them being willing to go trade for a guy with control. I just don't know how they feel about Jesus Sanchez, very polarizing player. Jack, if you're AJ Preller, you've heard the pitch for Kepler, you've heard the pitch for Jesus Sanchez. 
We'll give you kind of the deciding vote. What would you rather do? And then we'll move on. Rather do Jesus Sanchez. Um, you know, you, you think about the best players in your lineup. Xander Bogarts, bats, right-handed. Manny Machado, bats, right-handed. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr., bats, right-handed. So, like... Kepler's lofty. What? Yeah, I know. But, like, Sanchez is the... He's almost like a platoon option. He's that much better against right-handed pitching than he is left on left. Does he yeah. get many at bats left on left or no? No. Yeah, no. that's that's my thing. It's like you shield him. I think Kepler gives off more of an idea of an everyday guy where he may be honest to God more expensive. <laughs> like that that's the thing. But um if you're trading for a platoon guy, um I think that fits their prospect range right now without having to part ways with a Merrill or a Dylan Head or a Lesko or a Snelling, those kind of guys. If you can get away with the non-blue chippers, I, I think that's kind of where you can make your money there. Let's roll with Sanchez. So we just traded uh, Brito and a flyer in order to get Jesus Sanchez. Sure. I think we're good to move on from the offense. I think a, now, a little I think we're more. Rolling. It's like Go ahead, a little on. more than that, but we don't need to get into it. Yeah. Like, Brito and who? I think a, a Pauly or a Marcy. Okay, I think those so let's say Brito, Brito and Pauly. Expensive. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah, I, shit, everybody's expensive right now, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm down, I'm down to do it. Pitching rotation right now. Uh, Joe Musgrove, Yu Darvish, Michael King, Randy Vasquez, Matt Waldron. Haido Iriarte is close. Iriarte is going to be in AAA. Arm, you love him. Uh, we just mm-hmm. traded Johnny Brito, so he doesn't really factor in. Other guys are like Jay Groom. Um, they really lack some depth. Sign somebody to a one-year. I like Mazer. I think Mazer could get up there as yep. well. Um, Mazer can get up there. I mean, shit, dude. Lesko can climb quickly. Snelling is already in double A. Like, hell, we'll see what happens. So they, they've got options. The bullpen, I think, like, you do not need to touch. And, Arm, I'm going to run through the names, but I want you to give me the primer on Yuki Matsui in a moment. Um, Matsui probably slots in as either the eighth or ninth inning guy. I bet Mm -hmm. he gets closer reps. Robert Suarez is the setup guy. Angel De Los Santos, I thought, was a great swap down budget-wise for Scott Barlow. Hell, I think there are spurts where De Los Santos is just better than Barlow, flat out. I love that move. He is better, I think. Yeah, Steven Wilson, Tom Cosgrove had a good year. Adrian Morahone has some shit from the left side. And then Steven Kolek was a Rule 5 guy, too. But, Aram, give us the 811 on Yuki Matsui. Oh, he's funky. I think people are going to really enjoy him on Savant specifically. Like 5'8, unique release. He gets like 23, 24 inches of IVB. I saw a couple of fastballs in the World Baseball Classic that were 24 inches of induced vertical break, which would what? be like. You know, the highest that you've like ever seen, basically. These guys from Japan can just spin the ball and, and just do things with the ball that's just different. It's almost like they're born with a baseball in their hand. And the way they're able to manipulate it is unbelievable. Uh, and then his splitter is up there with with any of the guys that are going to be coming over. I, it, it might be as it, it might be better than just about everybody not named Yamamoto. Thirty percent swinging strike rate on the pitch uh, in in Japan last year. I mean, the guy has closer stuff. He's gonna be a really uncomfortable at bat. It's not like he throws ninety either. It's ninety three, ninety four with that kind of life and that kind of jump to it. He can be a closer for them or or a really, really, really good setup man. So there's a reason why they shelled out four years when they don't want to be spending money right now. Arm, just to put twenty four inches of IVB into perspective, off the top of your head, do you know which pitcher in Major League Baseball? led an IVB on their fastball last year that's induced vertical break that gives it that rise like 24 inches is absurd 
Yeah, I would say so. Top IVB guy. I mean, like Nestor Cortez is an example of one of the better, like high carry fastballs. You're like, how is that 90 just get by everybody? He's like 20, 21, sometimes 22 inches of IVB. Um, guys are not getting 24. It's just very, very, very rare. Interesting. Guys, I don't really want to do anything to the bullpen I don't think or the they rotation. Do anything. And I love, I, I love yeah. Kolik in the in the rule five. I think Kolik is really good. I yeah. think he's a good. He could be a seventh inning guy for them. So I, I think they're pretty good relief wise. Yeah. All right. We made the only move. Jesus Sanchez for uh, what? Johnny Brito and, and Graham Pauly. Let's call it a day. I love yep. this show. We just spent like 25 minutes and we made one move, but I liked the move. That's fine. We're going to do the Pirates. <laughs> I had fun. Strap in. No, I had fun. <laughs> Let's get excited. All right. Before that, quick break. Two more teams, the Pittsburgh Pirates and then the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to Pennsylvania. Uh, if you haven't been able to tell right now, we're working in reverse alphabetical order. So it's not like, hey, we're doing the massive contenders and then we're working our way down to the bottom. It's We are equal opportunity by, by every stretch. So um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, as it stands right now, the estimated tax payroll for them is $87.5 million. The competitive balance tax threshold is $237. we are not judging the Pirates based on the CBT. We are judging them based on last year's payroll. Ben Charrington has said they plan to escalate that payroll, not significantly like Mike Elias, but they do want to come in at a higher number than where they were at last year. Last year was 90.6. They are at an estimated 87.5 right now. They lost... Miguel Andujar, who spent the majority of the year in AAA. Osvaldo Bito, who spent the majority of the year in AAA. Cody Bolton, who was a tweener. Yeri De Los Santos, who was disappointing at the big league level. Angel Perdomo, who flashed some spurts. Harleen Garcia, Chris Owings, who was in AAA the entirety, pretty much. Caleb Smith, Vince Velasquez. Like, there, there is nothing lost when it comes to consistent big league pieces. The move so far... They have acquired Marco Gonzalez from Atlanta for cash considerations after that weird Kelnick deal. They signed Rowdy Telez to a one-year $3.2 million deal. They acquired Billy McKinney for international bonus pool money. They signed Martin Perez for one-year $8 million. They re-signed Andrew McCutcheon, thank God, for one year uh, and $5 million. They acquired Edward Olivares from Kansas City for a low-A guy, Davies Nadal, and I think that's a sneaky, solid pickup for them. Olivares can swing it a bit. And then they signed Ben Heller, Ali Sanchez, Gilberto Celestino to minor league free agent deals. Um, Those are not sexy at all. But I'm going to run through the lineup right now, and you're going to tell me where they need to improve and where they're going to improve. The big one that hurts is the one right away. Andy Rodriguez on a swing. I think, tore his UCL. He had Tommy John surgery after a swing in the Dominican Winter League. Um, It was also flexor tendon repair. There was a weird throw. He was trying to catch a would-be base dealer in May, and he just spiked the shit out of one, and he missed about a week. And nothing came of that. He was good the rest of the year. That was pre-MLB debut. But I I wonder if there was some damage, and then that swing just kind of did it in. I love Andy as a guy. I think Andy's an awesome player. And we are rooting for a very, very quick return. Um, unfortunately, the the soonest we can hope for is like very, very end of this year. But they already said he's going to miss the entirety of the 2024 season. So it, we, we hope it's 2025. The catching tandem right now is Henry Davis and Jason DeLay, maybe Ali Sanchez if you want. 
Henry Davis is going to catch Arm. He was a right fielder. He hasn't caught a professional game, or he hasn't caught a Major League Baseball game, if I'm not mistaken. But Charrington said right away that they plan for Davis to enter camp next year as a catcher. That was pre-Endy injury. Do you think he can make that transition back? I do. I, th- I think he can be fine. I don't think he'll grade out fantastically, but you know, I, I think he'll be fine enough. Um, and, and I mean, it's probably good for his development, right? Because he, if he's, the further he gets away from the catching situation, that's you know, just something that he can't, you know, revert back to as much. And I think this is going to be good for his overall abilities there. I think he'll be able to hold it down better than any other option they would have, you know, tried to shoehorn kind of in there. Yeah. Uh, Peter, you think Henry Davis, you think that trip to driveline that he's made for uh, swing optimization, that's going to help him big time? I mean, I still believe in the bat. Like, he's got some donkey pop in there. Um, Yeah, I mean, if he is a below-average defensive catcher and a slightly above-average offensive catcher next year, I think you're chilling, right? Like, there's nothing we can do here. We just, we and Pirates fans included, just have to hope that he looks like the number one overall pick that they drafted him out of Louisville, right? It's kind of like when we were talking about the Giants with Marco Luciano, right? You just got to let him go, see what we got here. I think that's exactly what they have to do with Henry Davis. I'm rooting for him because he is fun when his forearms are enormous. He's fun to watch. I I hope he hits some bombs. Yeah, and the no batting gloves crowd just loves him. We've added one to the fraternity. Uh, kind of, first base. He, he looks kind of like Luke Voigt a little bit. He's got he gives off that vibe to me a little bit. Um, first base, Rowdy Telez, Connor Joe as the platoon. I'm cool with that in Pittsburgh. Sure. God, whatever, Peter. I, no, I mean I they, they just signed Rowdy. Rowdy. Like they they fixed first base pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their. No, fix. that's good. Let's do uh, it. Second base, Leover Piguero, Nick Gonzalez, Juwan Bay. That's Good depth. I I don't think you'd do anything with that because they're all pre-ARP. Third base, Key Brian Hayes and Jared Triolo. Shortstop, O'Neill Cruz, G1 Bay, Alika Williams. I, like, stop me again if you feel like there's an upgrade sitting here. It's like, oh, they need to upgrade that position. Left field, Brian Reynolds. Center field, Jack Sawinski. Um, right field, Josh Palacios. I think that's probably where you can look. Um, Andrew McCutcheon slots in as the DH, surely. Then the fourth outfield options are Edward Olivares, Kanan Smith and Jigba, Gilberto Celestino, Connor Joe, G1 Bay, Billy McKinney. Are we adding something to this offense? So the reason I kind of gave that like uh, feeling is I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, yes, you have starting players there. You have starting caliber MLB proven guys there, at least at some positions, right? So, no, should we go add, like, a Travis Jankowski in this outfield? Probably not. Like, should we go add a first baseman? Probably not. Should we go add, like, a second baseman? Probably not. So, that's why I'm getting frustrated is that they have now built a roster where you can't really add any more big-time pieces. And general manager Ben Charrington could go to his fans and be like, look at all the big leaguers we have. It's infuriating because I think the Pirates deserve more, but they're not getting more. And I know their fans are definitely probably upset. Definitely probably in the same sense. Definitely I, I probably. I think you got to just look at, at upside guys, right? And either upside or flippable pieces. I think they've got their flippable pieces. Can I just give you one interesting name? Yeah. It, Kyle, Kyle Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, elected free yeah. agency. Injuries have derailed him. 
Obviously, was the rookie of the year in the shortened season. Can get an opportunity here. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, Palacios, I think you can have a little platoon here. Lewis needs to kind of ease into it. He's struggled to stay healthy anyways. Palacios showed some flashes. Go get Kyle Lewis. Have a little platoon in the corner. Uh, even if Lewis isn't playing great, he's going to help Palacios, I think, in some ways too, just to kind of spell those left-on-left matchups. And I, I think that might be the bounce-back upside kind of move to make as you're kind of in the final year of rebuild mode before I think finally starting to really spend net next year, really spend relatively speaking. Love that idea. Arm another idea for you. What about bringing Austin Meadows back? If he could stay healthy, right? Maybe he's a guy at the deadline that a contender says, Oh, Austin Meadows is kind of looking like the guy a couple of years ago. That was an above average outfielder. We want him now. And the pirates say, sure. We'll trade him for the second time. Well, but I like I like Kyle Lewis too. I think both of these guys are good options. Similar to that thought, but more expensive. Joey Gallo was the one that came to my mind, but you might be priced out of there. There's no fucking way Joey Gallo's going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, with, I like the Meadows thought for a couple reasons. One, you know, he's he's dealt with you know mental health issues and challenges, and and I think that's something that we've seen kind of well documented at this point. And you know, if he does want to play, like this is where he was comfortable at, at one point, you know, and this is where he, he, he had some good stretches. So th- that could be a spot where it kind of works out for him. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, you can give him a shot. But um, I think it's gotta be something along those lines of like, see what you got. And if it doesn't work out, you know, no harm, no foul. No, the, Jack, the reason why I said no to Joey Gallo is, you know, one contender out there is going to like see mm-hmm. some of the stuff Someone's that almost do. every contender has and just be like, we got to try it at least. Yeah. Right. Someone's so I, that's why I feel it's just like, no way he goes to Pittsburgh. It's going to be a playoff team. Like maybe we can get a little Joey Gallo in there and then they're going to see what happens. So again, final vote to you, Austin Meadows, Kyle Lewis, who should we go with? I like Kyle Lewis a little bit more. I like that ad because I, I I'm over frankly, two. I'm over two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, can I pitch you a trade that would negate both those? I think they have an infield surplus. And I'm going to pitch you an intradivisional trade that may make some sense. Who has an outfield surplus in the National League Central that we've been talking about consistently? What do they need? A lot. They've got to need a lot. It depends on what they're going to do with Adamas. I think they need second base and third base right now. Terang and Monasterio are the opening day second baseman and third baseman. Those are like kind of their guy. Yeah, you got to ride with those guys. Yeah, Monasterio, are you rolling with Monasterio? I'm not saying I'm obsessed with him, but they got to run with him. Like he's their guy, and he wasn't bad last year for him. If Nick Gonzalez or Jared Triolo became available, I really like both those guys. If Nick Gonzalez or Jared Triolo became available, and Charrington came to Matt Arnold and said, "Hey, pick which one you like more." Let's talk about a deal surrounding Garrett Mitchell. Who hangs Nick up? Gonzalez for Garrett Mitchell was a fun trade, actually. Yeah. City my home. thought my thought was Gonzalez for Garrett Mitchell. That is a fun trade. Because Gonzalez can, can play some third base, too. I do kind of like that. That is the most... Just, it's yeah. more unique than just, like, give Kyle Lewis a chance. Yeah. So. And it's not one of those deals that you don't do in division because like, it's unlikely that it, it haunts you, right? Like, I don't think I, – I think both those guys can succeed and be solid players, but yeah, I don't think that they're going to be so good that it haunts you. I love Nikki G. I actually think the, the power would play better in, in Milwaukee. I, that's not a bad move. I, I think that I, could be fun. 
I know that this is the Pirates episode and not the Brewers, so we don't really have to worry what the Brewers would do, but then what do they do with Bryce Terang? Is he just done? I mean, he, he, you know, if they trade Adamas, he could play short. He's a glove first guy. He plugs in at short. Um, and, and now he's kind of just this utility guy until he figures it out offensively. I like Terang. I thought he'd be a lot better last year. I was very disappointed with, with the offensive output. He's a great defender. He can really run. Uh, and so you still kind of have a spot for him one way or another. I, I say we do the trade. That's the most fun. Thing I like that trade. Do. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Nick Gonzalez for Garrett Mitchell straight up. I don't think anybody yeah. needs to add anything else. No, I think we're good. Uh, starting pitching, Mitch Keller, Martin Perez, Marco Gonzalez, Luis Ortiz, Rolanzi Contreras, Quinn Priester. Those are like the opening day six. Um, you got Paul Skeens, Jared Jones, and Jackson Wolf waiting in the on-deck circle. And then Mike Burrows and JT Brubaker should be off the shelf from TJ around the All-Star break. At the All-Star break, we could be looking at a starting rotation if they flip Perez and Gonzalez we could be looking at a starting rotation of Mitch Keller, Paul Skeens, Jared Jones, Wynn Priester, Mike Burrows. That's fun. I agree. No, it's like when the when they signed these Martin Perez's and Marco Gonzalez's on the surface, it's like Pirates, this is almost like disrespectful to the fans by the signing these candidates. guys. But really all they are is placeholders to get them through the first half of the season, to get these young guys ready to perform. And these young guys, they all have a little bit of upside to them, and especially Paul Skeens. I mean, Paul Skeens just comes in and looks like Mitch Keller. You have a dominant front, too, because Mitch Keller is objectively a stud. But it is just funny, us sitting here today, looking at this rotation. Like, if they didn't have the contingency plans, how embarrassing Martin Perez, Marco Gonzalez, Luis Ortiz, and Bailey Falter is. Oh. It could be it could be real bad, but no, I think it's a, it's a perfect spot, right? Because you you can flip those guys very easily if Perez or Gonzalez pitched the way that you know, they have within the last couple of years, and then yeah, you, you kind of wait for that while those other guys are coming up. I also think Max Kranich, like I, he's a good depth arm. Don't sleep on him. Coming back from TJ as well, like uh, you didn't did you mention him, Jack, as well? No, I didn't. Slip my mind. Okay, yeah, so. I, did, I didn't want to do that thing where, like, you said something and I, like, bring it up again like it wasn't mentioned. No, you're um, good. Kranich, he looked good. His fastball started to tick up. I think that was part of the reason why he went down is sometimes those guys just see that big jump in velo. The elbow kind of gives way. He's going to come back. He, he flirted with the no-hitter at one point in the big leagues. Like, he could be a solid five starter as well. So, to that point, like, they've got a lot of different options that I'd love to just at least see what they can do. Yeah. So, I roll as is. And then – Trade a couple of those guys. Like Marco's a reclamation project if he's healthy. Uh, if the nerve issue is still a problem, then I think they'll phase him out pretty quickly. And Perez, if he looks like 2022 Perez, I'll get some nice pieces back for him. 100%. Bullpen, I don't think you need to do anything. Bednar is the closer, one of the best closers in baseball. Holderman, Majinski is gross. If you haven't seen that mm-hmm. Carmen Majinski sweeper, that's disgusting. They just signed Ryan Barucki, who had a solid back half of the year. Dowry Moretta with that backwards slider. Kyle Nicholas is up to 98-99. Shit, man. Palin Selby up to 98-99. And then Andre Jackson redemption chore from the Dodgers is is very fun as well. So I think, uh, I think we just kind of fixed... The Pirates, right? Nick Gonzalez for Garrett Mitchell, both guys. That's all uh, it took. Good young talent, and uh, and that's that. I have just one question to wrap up on the Pirates. Rowanti Contreras. That's my question. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, what do they question. do with him? And then, my, but really, 
what is Rolante Contreras? Jack, you saw him more than me. Yeah, Jack, you have to answer. Yeah, I mean, he was he. I mean, he went from sitting ninety five, ninety six in twenty two to sitting ninety two to ninety three in twenty twenty three. Lower than and, that starts. I was watching. Yeah, so like, and the fastball 92. got pillaged. Yeah, holy crap! Yeah, fastball got murdered. Only a swinging strike rate of seven point seven percent on the fastball is pr- pretty brutal. Slider's still great, so I do wonder like if if he ends up kind of transitioning into a reliever role too. They'll probably give him some a little bit more run at pitch, starting pitcher. See how it goes, but it's another reason why I think you do nothing here. And I think that the larger point is that Charrington's kind of got this taken care of. I think he's kind of got them well positioned for this year. One more year of this, you know, rebuild. I think, and then I think they're going to look to compete in that division. Coming exciting, into, man. into next year. And they're going to get a lot of answers on the starting pitching side of things and relief side of things with some of their youngins that are you know, finally ready. I think you can get questions answered every night this coming year for the Pirates, mm-hmm. which is a fun spot to be for a rebuilding team and a young team. 100%. So, and you add Andy to fold in 2025, it's going to be great. Um, all right, the Phillies, to wrap things up, they're at $234 million estimated right now. They're $3 million shy of the CBT. They're going to blow by this number. I feel it very strongly. Um, Moves so far. They have lost Reese Hoskins, Craig Kimbrell, Michael Lorenzen, and RIP to the Phillies tenure of Scott Kingery. Uh, But they have re-signed Aaron Nola to seven for $172 million. After that, they extended Rob Thompson, uh, and they signed Jose Ruiz on a minor league free agent deal. So it's been Nola, and they lost Hoskins, Kimbrell, Lorenzen, and Kingery. Catching duo, JT Real Muto and Garrett Stubbs. You're good. You got the vibes guys, the backup catcher. That's what everybody wants, right? Yeah, move on. Garrett Stubbs. He's like low-key a leader of this team. Yeah. Um, first base, Bryce Harper. That's fine. Are we adding? Yeah, Bryce Harper's pretty good. Got you. We'll Second base, Bryson Stott and Mundo Sosa is his backup. Third base, Alec Bohm. Sosa is his backup. Shortstop, Trey Turner. Rodolfo Castro is his backup. I'm good. Anything else? Left field. Brandon Marsh. What? Yeah. I was just going to say, there's one move this team has to make. Yeah. Uh, Outfield. Brandon Marsh in left. Johan Rojas in center. Nick Castellanos in right. The uh, fourth outfield options. Christian Pache, Jake Cave, Weston Wilson, Simone Muziati. You found the the one issue here. We we reached it. Center field. I, I, I like Rojas. I think he's an elite defender. I don't think he can hit enough for a, a World Series contender. And I think we saw that in the postseason where I mean, he was almost an auto out. And, and it was a big problem for them. Uh, I, I Either you could do two things here. I think you – and I'm identifying center field. I don't think you do anything else there in, in the lineup. You either move Brandon Marsh to center field again and, and have him play there more consistently because in his 867 innings – Last year in center field, he was four outs above average. Really, really solid defender there. Obviously, even better in a corner through stretches. But I, I, I think he's arguably could be better in center just with the reads that he gets. So you put Marsh in center, makes it a little bit easier to go find a corner guy, and maybe just go find a corner guy unless you want to roll with with Jake Cave or whoever. But I, I think that's the one spot if you really wanted to push the offense over the top is is find a corner guy uh, because I, I do think that. 
Rojas has the potential to be a pretty big gaping hole offensively uh, if he is not able to improve at all from what we saw down the stretch and in the postseason last year, even though he was standing on his head for, uh, I think, the, the beginning of his big league debut. And we should mention that um, Schwarber is the DH. Like, I don't have the DH allotted in here, but Schwarber is the everyday DH. Uh, there's one corner outfielder. Yeah, Peter, I, I know. Are we going to make this Instagram troll a reality or what? This move is staring all of us right in the face. Yeah. Dave Dombrowski, get on the phone. Call up Perry Manassian. What is it going to take for Mike Trout to oh, bring him no, to Philly? Of what? course that's the move staring us oh, all it's in not. the face. Of course it's the great staring me. It's staring me it. right in the face. The Philly guy, the Eagles fan. Mike Trout wants to get out of Los Angeles. You call up. Never I know that. it's a ton of money. We got to figure out how to do it, but we got to get Mike Trout in center field for the Philadelphia Phillies. Pair him with Bryce. After the Dodgers are going after Tom, you want to win a World Series? Go get Mike Trout. Um, well, unfortunately, they said they're not trading him, and yeah, they say they're not. Mike trading Trout's him. also never said he doesn't want to be there. You got to pick up the phone. You got to pick up the phone and see what it would take. No, bro. You we call Jack like Peterson, and that just won't happen. You call yes. Jack Peterson and you call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could just do that. I think that the move to make the Phillies the World Series contender along with the Dodgers is you go trade Mike Trout and they have the prospects in order to do it. Brother, they're already a World Series contender. Arm, yeah, no, are they... they are a World Series contender, but I think the Mike Trout move puts them over the top. Arm, is, is this Trout thought or Ellie thought? The, the dumbest thing Peter said on no, the show. Stop. How is how is trading for Mike Trout when they need a center fielder? Well, because it's 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 fairy tale. It's that from I mean, if, if Mike Trout is ever going to leave, like I haven't brought up Mike Trout on any other team, this is the fit if he were to get traded. Absolutely. And the reasoning yeah, is go birds. He's not. <laughs> they told What'd us he's say? not. I think if they got the right offer. I think it would make sense. What's the right offer? Let's. I mean, do you guys want to workshop through it, or do you guys both hate it? I mean, if if you both hate it and you I don't can't think they even can... picture it, then why even talk about it? It's well, not... they apparently made an offer for uh, you know Yoshinobu Yamamoto as well, according to Matt Gelb. And yeah, if if that's the case, then they you know their priority seems to be committing whatever money that they have available to the pitching side of things. Yeah, and. I do think that's a really tough financial obligation to take on, um, you know, with Mike Trout on the decline at struggling to stay healthy, you're going to still have to give up prospects to pry him away from a team that has been very adamant that they don't want to trade him. The angels have said themselves that they want to add for whatever godforsaken reason. So if you're going to have to give up really good pitching prospects to pry him away, just to inherit a contract that could handcuff you for the next decade, I just I don't I don't see it I don't see it being feasible, especially if they're tipping their hand by apparently wanting to invest this whatever money that they have available into pitching with the reported offer to Yoshinobu Yamamoto. The way I read into it is that if they have the money in order to get a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, they probably don't get him. But if they're thinking that they have the money to do so. At least pick up the phone. I'm not saying that they're going to do it. I'm not saying that. For example, when we floated the Garrett Mitchell for, you know, the second baseman. Why am Nick I Gonzalez. forgetting his name? Yeah. Nick Gonzalez. 
when we floated that trade, like, yeah, that makes sense. We could easily do so. I'm here to say that a Dave Dombrowski type move, trading the farm system in order to get Mike Trout, in order to win a World Series in the next couple of years, feels like the most Phillies move. They need a center fielder. He's a Philly guy. He's, is he even a center fielder? That he maybe plays left. <laughs> maybe you put Marsh then in center, and then you could put Trout left. Yeah. Yeah. Just feels like the perfect move. Now, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but that move, like I said, is staring me directly in the face. Just makes the most sense in the world. And it, it would it'd be such a Philly move. Like, it'd be such a Dombrowski move to then trade these pitching prospects, pay the money if they have the money in order to get a Yamamoto anyway. I'm looking at their rotation right now. I feel like they could roll into 2024 with this rotation, and this is the move. This is yeah, the most. They can't. They can't take that. Contract. Why don't we just speak it into existence? Don't we want it? Also, don't we want Trout on the Phillies? Doesn't that just no. sound awesome? Not really. I want Trout and Otani on what the do same you team. Um, yeah, come on. Doesn't that sound awesome, guys? No. Can I, throw, move. can I throw I you one? It sounds It'll awesome. Probably it not. Sounds awesome. Sounds great, Peter. I like. Thank you. Let me You're just welcome. say, I think that that money is unattainable for the Philadelphia Phillies. Like. Forty million a year. What's what's Trout owed this coming year? Is it forty? It's like high thirties or forty. Maybe they give up less prospects in order for the Angels to take on some of that money. The way but that if, I kind if, of view it, yeah. No, go I on. was just gonna say if if they clearly want to put the money towards pitching, though, like you're strapping yourself now for the next ten years and this year, and you can't make the additions to the staff that you want to make. I think the offense is already great. You know, I think yeah. the move that they need to make to put them over the top is putting that making that staff an elite pitching staff. Yeah. I think you, this offense is still one of the best in, in baseball. If you just plug the leak, that is the one spot in their lineup, which is the nine hole um, and, and not take on $35.4 million until 2030 with a full no trade clause uh, that would just absolutely hold them hostage when they also were just talking about potentially discussing an extension with Bryce Harper and wanting to commit that money towards keeping Harper as long as humanly possible. We are kind of acting like Mike Trout is, is chopped liver. I mean, Mike He's Trout. 32. He can't stay healthy over the last couple of years. Why would you take on that contract? I don't think that contract is, is desirable for really anybody. Do you know how many guys in Philly around the bars are going to have Trout Phillies jerseys? Oh, so Th many. they'll make that money back. So many. So many. There, you know the Otani how he sold like 700 trillion jerseys? I bet Trout said half that. They're going to get some money back on Mike Trout. Ah, oh, that makes so much sense, guys. You're ruining my so movie. Who so are some much. other left field options? Yeah, I'm looking right now. Um, I, I'm just looking at some options around the American League because I feel like no National League team wants to trade with one of the best teams in the National League, personally. Um, like, it, I think the higher you get, in your respective league, the less teams in that league want to interact with you, to be totally honest. Because, like, which NL team wants to make a deal with the Atlanta Braves right now? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, nobody like, really. next to nobody. So I'm looking at... I do like Travis Jankowski. I know I've kind of floated him for a lot of teams. Like, I think he'd be a valuable player <laughs> for the You could do it. Like, or like a Robbie Grossman. I, I think that someone like guy that. could make sense. Um, yeah. I, I think if they do want to spend a decent bit of money... Jock Peterson on a two-year deal like fits that vibe to a T. So you can also I, go get Eddie Rosario, like <laughs> if you want. Um, yeah, I just I think there are a lot of like just stopgap options, um, but my eyes do gravitate towards the pitching staff. 
I will say the bullpen, I'm not touching. This bullpen's one of the best in baseball with Alvarado, Sir Anthony, Kirkering in a full year, Soto, Jeff Hoffman, who throws 98 now, Strom, Bellotti, Connor Brogdon. There are so many guys that you can just throw, throw, throw out there. The rotation and- is interesting. I think you add Christopher Sanchez in a hybrid role, but the rotation is Wheeler, Nola at the top, Ranger and Taiwan Walker, who you already commit to. Peter, you had a quick thought. No, I was just going to say the bullpen did upgrade by losing Craig Kimbrell. It's yeah. Upgrade. They kind of did. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of did. That do you fair. go do you go big I like do you go big fish hunting with this? Like do you look at a Snell and it's like we want him. A Montgomery and it's like we want him. Oh, so now we have money. Well, they've got money. Half. They don't have 40 a year. <laughs> Half and half the duration. I want Mike Trout on the Phillies, but we could we could have more rational thoughts. But I want it. I I think you do. I think you. Or I, I talked about it in the trade predictions. Dylan Cease. Yep. I, I think that trade makes a lot of sense too. Um. And and they can offer some. You know, McAble, and then you piece together some other options. I I do think that could be a very intriguing. Uh, option for them with two years of control that they could leverage and and potentially extend instead of shelling out a trillion dollars for any of these pitchers, leverage those two years and, and try to extend cease if you can. I, I do think they need one more impact arm. Uh, it's, I like Wheeler a lot. Obviously, I like Nola. That's as good of a one-two punch as you're going to find. Suarez is awesome. Don't trust Walker. Christopher Sanchez did outperform anything I reasonably could have expected from him. But you know, I, I do think if they really want to win a World Series, they, I think they need one more one more impact impact arm there that they can have for several years now too. I I, I like a trade for Cease, and I I also like maybe signing one of those guys if they put in an offer for Yamamoto. It seems like they are more keen on keeping the prospects and maybe going out and signing somebody. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think they get Yamamoto. So, do they pivot to another lefty? Do they pivot to like Imanaga maybe? What 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 could they do? Is kind of the question. Quick question before we keep building. Andrew Painter, Mick Abel, are they going to be able to contribute to the Phillies this season? Obviously, Painter coming in with that elbow thing. Mick Abel's yeah. a little bit young. I'm just curious if we should factor it, them in maybe at the all-star break. So something like that. The thing about Painter is we kind of got fucked because his initial the, the initial plan for Painter at the beginning of the year was, oh, rest is going to fix it. That delayed TJ by like three months, right, Aram? Mm-hmm. I, I think it was mm-hmm. two and a half, three months, where it mm-hmm. was rest, rest, rest. Oh, shit, now we got to go under the knife. So if Painter did get under the knife as soon as he went down, we could be penciling him in for an all-star break return. I don't know if we can do that now. I don't even know if 2024 is in the cards. And- and I love Abel's stuff, but I don't trust the command yet. I, I, I he'd have to make a big leap command wise. That's why I think it's a good time to, to maybe move him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you can really factor either of those guys in for this year, which is yeah. an important thing to go over because yeah. you know you you don't have those reinforcements really waiting in the wings for you, uh, pitching wise. So let's operate this rotation under the assumption that neither of them throws an inning in 2024, 2025 definitely, but just for this season, I think arm you laid it out. I think we got to trade for Cease. They got the prospects in order to do it. Yep. You get that guy with some control. I feel like with their rotation right now, I agree. Like, I'm not a Taiwan Walker guy. Whatever Christopher Sanchez gives you, he gives you. But you can gamble a little bit with Dylan Cease. You already got the front three with Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez. You got them locked in. 
I think we gamble with Dylan Cease. I think we this next part of the podcast is just what's the trade for him? I think that's the perfect fit. Awesome. Because I, I and I would love to see him there too. I just throwing more meaningful innings. Jackie, you you tell me what is Cease's value? Is Mick Abel and what? How much more in addition to Mick Abel? A twenty two year old righty top sixty prospect for us at just baseball. How much more do the Phillies need to add to Mick Abel to go get, you know, a, a Dylan Cease with two years of control? So I feel like I constantly underestimate the value of a lot of these guys. Um, I think that when we're talking about some of the better players in baseball at a cheap price point, we always undershoot. And I don't want to undershoot right now. I'm going to overshoot, and you guys tell me to reel it in. Cease has two years of control left. Arb 2, his estimate is about 8.3. You assume that Arb 3 would be in the 12 to 14 range after that. So let's say you're getting him on two years, $21 million. What is two years, 21 mil of Dylan Cease cost? I think it's Abel. I think it's Justin Crawford. And I think it's a guy that can get ABs right now in Simone Muziati. So you get an arm and two outfielders. Do you do it? I think that I would do it on both on both sides there. I think you nailed it. Just another question. Who the hell is Carlos De La Cruz? Six eight two ten. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a monster for the Phillies in their system. <laughs> I'm just going through the Phillies prospects. I was like, oh, I never heard of this guy. Wait a minute. Six eight two ten? I, I saw him at the AFL and I was I was I, I was baffled. I was absolutely bad. Yeah, I don't think it that operation works contact wise. He's way too big. I don't even think they protect him in the rule five. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that works. I do think do that think, works. Don't you think the White Sox might want him? Like just some size in that locker room? Sure. Another Elo Jimenez guy? You get you Actually? gotta add him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if the White Sox did say he's the kicker? I want the size. I'm in. We need a power forward. Yeah. You want Yadier Alvarez? <laughs> I think that's good. Okay. I, I think like it's it. good too. It sounds expensive, but it's not crazy. I like it. Yeah. All right. Cease for Abel, Justin Crawford, and Simone Muziati. And and just uh, for everybody coming in new, maybe you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, by the way. Jack is a White Sox fan. So he's coming to you, Phillies fans, with what he thinks it's fair. I think it's a fair deal all the way around. I do. I do, too. Here we go. Good job, Jack. We just got Dylan Thanks, Cease. So now let's transition how we get Mike Trout. <laughs> do the merch thing. <laughs> Hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Just Baseball Show and hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. Obviously. Come on in the episode description below and if you enjoyed this episode feel free to write a written review whether that be on spotify or on apple podcasts five stars five stars helps us out a ton and like i said hit that subscribe button on youtube come on we're coming out with so much great content it's tons of it people are saying it's the greatest content in the world not us but people and i agree with those people jack aram i'm peter we'll be back after the holiday hopefully everybody enjoys it and with that thank you everybody